What's up, everybody? This is Christian Brindle. Welcome to the Seven Figure or Bust podcast. This is episode five, okay? Um, I'm your host. And on this show, I want to help you get to seven figures. Crack that million dollar mark in your business. And today we're going to talk about all things going on in the business world, in the social media world, in the influencer world, in the investing world, and just overall in the business building world, okay? Um, A lot of things I want to cover today on episode five. Um, We've been off for a couple weeks now, and so I'm excited to bring you guys a new episode, um, some fresh new content here today. Um, I want to start off with this. I've been following this CoffeeZilla, Logan Paul story pretty closely. And I think for the most part, it's probably pretty much wrapped up at this point. But I wanted to just kind of touch on it for anybody that might not be aware of what's going on. So Logan Paul, right? Logan Paul is a incredibly, incredibly famous, popular, successful internet influencer. He kind of started on that platform Vine. Did you ever, if you, if you remember Vine, Vine was famous for having those eight second videos. It was almost like TikTok, but shorter, right? Back in the day. Now Vine is no longer a thing anymore, but a lot of people really took advantage of the new platform when it comes to Vine. And they had an audience kind of follow them over onto other platforms for Logan. It was following him over onto YouTube and he's got one of the largest YouTube audiences there is. Now, Logan Paul's 27 years old today. He's done pay-per-view boxing matches now. Not only is he a good entertainer, he's also a pretty remarkable athlete. Um, He's now doing wrestling in the WWE. Um, So Logan Paul's just everywhere, right? He's, um, he started a, a a drink company um, with a fellow YouTuber, KSI um, called I think it's called Prime. It's kind of supposed to be a competitor to Gatorade. Um, Very, a lot of stuff that Logan Paul's involved in, right? And he's just doing incredible. He's running a podcast now called Impulsive. And, um, you know, he's just kind of seems like, from the outside looking in, he kind of seems like he's top of the world. Now, Logan kind of found himself in heat several years ago by traveling to Japan for a video, right? And he visited a place in Japan called the Suicide Forest. It's famous for people in the country that would go to the forest to take their own life. I mean, hence the term suicide forest, right? And in the suicide forest, they have trails, right? They have trails, they have tours. Him and his crew, if whatever you'd want to call them, they took a tour, but they went off of the path and they found, they found a dead body. They filmed the dead body. And ended up posting the video on YouTube. And um, Logan almost lost his entire social media following. He almost got pretty much canceled. Um, rightfully so, by the way. It caused a lot of outrage with a lot of people. Now, Logan came out, gave a very good apology. Um, seems to be kind of on the up and up since then. And then the CoffeeZilla stuff happens. Um, with with CryptoZoo. So I'll just kind of walk you guys through this in a summary if you're not really familiar with kind of what's been going on with this story. So about a year ago, maybe a year plus ago, Logan comes out on Impulsive and talks about a new game that he is responsible for 
developing, putting out there. He's hired a team to put this game together, and it's completely surrounded by the concept of NFTs. If you're not familiar with what an NFT is, it's kind of like the new cryptocurrency almost. I mean, not really. That's incredibly different, but it's almost like images that could be you looked at as an investment. Sometimes they're artwork, drawings, cartoons, pictures, things like that. And, and people would invest lots of money into them, sometimes thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in an NFT. And um, so it's an NFT game that essentially was called CryptoZoo. So with CryptoZoo, you'd be given eggs and these eggs would hatch with different animals. You'd breed the animals. You'd get different NFTs with uh, combinations of, of, of different animals. Like, let's say, like a, uh, a rhino and a dog, right? Or something like that. And then the more rare of an animal you got, you could sell it and potentially make money, right? He kind of called it, it was a, he, called, he, he, refer, he referenced it as a fun game that makes you money. A fun game that makes you money, right? So... He talks about it multiple times. People go on and they they sign up for it. They sign up for the 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 launch of it, if you will. And there's problems with the game, right? It doesn't work like it's supposed to. And people start putting money into the game, not being able to get the money back. They're not able to you know use it like they were kind of anticipating. A lot of people really felt like they got hoodwinked by Logan Paul, but Logan's silent about the whole thing. So. Right around Christmas time last month, <coughs> there is a, a YouTuber, and I've made a video about him on my YouTube channel before, named Coffeezilla. And Coffeezilla kind of fancies himself, in my opinion, just from the outside looking in, as like an investigator. He's an investigative journalist reporter, right? He's an internet detective almost. And he looks into what he considers to be scams, fraudulent activity, and then he makes videos about it. He does his homework on it. You got to give him that. And he exposes it for the world. And he's gone after huge influencers. He's gone after people way more um, wealthy and powerful than himself. He's gotten into lots and lots of confrontations and hot water over it. But he's just fearless. You got to give the guy that. Um, and he does this year-long investigation into what was going on behind the scenes with Logan Paul's CryptoZoo. And he puts out a three-part series on it, all of which go viral, get millions of views, um, explaining kind of what was going on with Logan Paul's CryptoZoo, right? Long story short, what ended up happening was Logan hired a bunch of bad actors to, do the, to, to handle the development of the game, because Logan Paul's not a developer, he's not a coder or anything like that. And um, a bunch of people took some money and just of investor money and just took off. Maybe not necessarily Logan himself, but he takes some responsibility because he, he hires these people and then he stays silent about it and doesn't really appear to have that much of a plan about it, right? So this back and forth between CoffeeZilla and Logan Paul. Logan Paul initially puts out a video saying he's going to sue CoffeeZilla. <laughs> Bad look, by the way. The internet jumps all over Logan Paul for, for, for even referencing that, because essentially it's looking like he's trying to silence the truth. His reaction looks like he's trying to silence the truth of what's really happening. And then, of course, you know, after just 
getting killed, he puts up a real apology video, apologizes about the whole thing, apologizes to CoffeeZilla, calls him, says he's sorry, everything like that, and claims he's going to make try to make it right with the CryptoZoo audience, right? If there's anything I learned from this whole situation, just watching it develop on both sides, it's don't ever feel like if you get to a place of influence and success in your life where you feel like you're on top of the world, don't feel like that you're ever too big to be held accountable because there's certainly people out there that will hold you accountable. And if you're not careful, your reputation could be destroyed, right? Um, it was starting to look very bad for Logan Paul for a minute there. Tons of people making videos about him, people talking, well, you know, he almost got canceled with the Japan thing. Maybe he's going to get canceled now. Um, and it was starting to look like that might be the case, right? And um, I'm sure his reputation has been damaged in the eyes of some, regardless of his apology or how, he ha how he's handling it now or anything like that. But don't ever feel like you're untouchable. You're, no, it doesn't matter who you are. If you do something that's looked at as unethical, immoral, um, handle something wrong, and you don't take the necessary steps to fix it, you can come down. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a billionaire, and you're still at risk of this. Look at, I, I, I just got done last night. So this, the last couple of days is the time I'm recording this. My wife and my daughter had strep throat. So I'm paranoid. I don't want to get sick. Me getting sick any day um, just completely throws me off. I, I'm working all the time with my businesses and my company. And I just really do not, I can't get sick. I can't. So for the last two nights, I've been sleeping downstairs on the couch just to, let my wife's antibiotics kick into where she's not contagious anymore. Thankfully, not knock on wood, I am not yet sick. I watch a couple of documentary docu series on Netflix. There's some really great ones out there, by the way. I watched watched the one about the Game Stock stock, uh, the Game Stock, the stock. I think that's right. Game Stop stock, <laughs> Game Stop stock. Um, the kind of went through that whole situation where, you know, the stock ended up getting spiked by um, individual investors across the internet. Fascinating story. I highly recommend it. Um, if you haven't seen that yet and you don't know about that story, it's, a, it's incredible. But another one I watched right after was Bernie Madoff, Monster of Wall Street. And it kind of goes through the story of Bernie Madoff and it goes back into like his early career. Most people, when they think about Bernie Madoff, Bernie Madoff's a guy that... Um, ran probably the largest uh, Ponzi scheme in American history with 40 to $60 billion of investor money being lost. Um, and, he, and he kept it up for decades, by the way. If you look at the story of a Bernie Madoff, right? Bernie Madoff, one thing I did not know, and I learned a lot about kind of his backstory from the docuseries, was Bernie Madoff had two businesses he had a legitimate trading firm that did legitimate business, and then he had a side business that was more private, more secretive, and that was his Ponzi scheme, where he only let certain people in, right? So, like, I think a lot of people, when they think of Bernie Madoff, they think everything he did was fraudulent. Not necessarily. Not only that, he was incredibly beloved, well-respected on boards of directors, consulted by the SEC, 
when it came to stock market innovation and fraud and um, laws and all kinds of stuff. This guy could not have been more um, publicly beloved by Wall Street and the investor communities. His clients loved him. His employees seemed to love him. Um, his family seemed to love him. I mean, this guy lived kind of a charmed life. But when a hundred years from now go by, nobody's going to remember any of that. They're going to remember Bernie Madoff as the, one of the biggest fraudsters in American history, as they should, by the way. Um, but it doesn't matter who you are. And it doesn't matter how big or how successful you get. Your reputation could always be ruined. Always. It doesn't matter. Think about how many incredibly successful people in business, in Hollywood, just in, in, in public um, you know, life, you know, public figures, politicians. I mean, politicians are probably the only people that don't get held accountable for things like that. <laughs> they could do almost anything. And um, there's going to be a segment of people out there that they're beloved and they get away with things and people, you know, branches of the government look the other way. That's just my opinion. But the, you look at like a Jeff Epstein, right? Monster, horrible individual, horrible human being. Um, but he was beloved in business and very well respected. And a lot of people knew what he was doing behind the scenes, but eventually when it came to light, he got held accountable. There, there is, and, and of course, you know, there should be an ethical and a moral thing with all of this. You should just not want to do anything that's unethical. Um, but on a, on a lower scale, when I think about the Logan Paul crypto zoo kind of fiasco, right? I think about, I think about, Logan had good intentions with the project from the outside looking in. That's the impression I got. I think the execution was bad. And the taking responsibility of what he did wrong, which was putting people into places that could harm people, right, were bad. But I don't think it was anything Logan Paul intentionally did to screw a bunch of people out of a lot of money. I don't think that. Um, but... He certainly did not take the right actions to fix the situation as quickly as he should have. That's, that's kind of the public perception, right? Um, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you're loved, how on top of the world you are. Make sure that you don't put yourself in a situation where someone can do something to hang something over your head. That's kind of what I gathered from this whole situation. And then I think the Bernie Madoff thing was kind of interesting to kind of see who this guy was prior to the 2008 crash and the walls just collapsed in on him, right? I mean, nobody saw coming what, what, what actually ended up transpiring with Bernie Madoff, right? Um, so just kind of, kind of interesting, just kind of a lesson that I think all of us could use because once you get successful enough, you kind of feel untouchable. You kind of feel like you can do no wrong, Nobody can do anything to you. You're, un, you're unbeatable. You're untouchable. Nobody ever is. I don't care who it is. Um, billionaires, richest people in the world, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, stay level-headed would be my message. Stay level-headed. Don't let ego and pride get the best of you. And, and we're all human. 
at the end of the day, sometimes you just need good people in your corner to be like, hey, you're fucking up, right? So let me shift gears to this a little bit. I wanted to talk about on this platform how I would recommend investing in, in your money. Because people always ask me, like, how should I invest my money? I have a little bit of extra money. What should I do with it? So I invest a little bit of money into stocks. Um, I don't have a tremendous amount of money into stocks. I probably have about 40, 40K in stocks currently. Um, the majority of my investments go into my business. And I would say if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, the best thing you can do with your money, and you'll never get a better return than investing into you. And if you run a business, investing in your business is investing into you, um, even if you're not the only person in the business. Um, but you sh if, if, you, if your business is competent, you should always have a better return investing into your business. Now, that being said, um, I don't think it's a bad thing to diversify a little bit. I would put the vast majority of investments into your business. Um, I think once you get to a different place, like if you're worth $10 million, 40, 50, $60 million, um, you can probably invest a little differently than someone that's worth 500K or 800K, right? That has a net worth of that. Um, for me, the, the type of stocks that I like to invest in, and I, I should preface my comments by saying anything I talk about on this platform when it comes to stocks, investments, anything like that is for sheer entertainment purposes only. And I am not a licensed financial advisor. Okay. I got it. Okay. Um, so for stocks that I like to invest in, I, um, I like companies that I understand, right? So I, I like to invest into companies I understand. I do like index funds because index funds are very hands-off. Index funds are basically like a collective of multiple different companies and you're kind of basing the average performance of these companies. Um, probably the most popular index fund that you have today is like the S&P 500 index fund. And essentially, it takes the 500 largest companies on the stock exchange and then you the, the fund equally owns shares in all 500 of them. So it's kind of like mirroring the performance of the market as a whole. I like those because you don't have to check a lot of things. If you really want to be good at stocks, if you really want to be successful when it comes to investing in stocks, it's not going to be by day trading. That's gambling. Um, and all of the most successful investors in history have came out and said that. Warren Buffett, Ray Dahlia, they all believe in long-term investing and investing into companies that you believe are going to be profitable. It's not investing hoping that you're going to get lucky and a stock's going to shoot up 20% in one day and then you sell and then you made all this money in a day. Um, that's not it. And, um, and so for me, and, and, and it's also companies that, that you have a good understanding in, right? So I have investments in some insurance companies. I have some investments in, um, some real estate REITs. REITs is what they call them, real estate investment trusts. Um, the reason why I like real estate investment trusts is because they have to pay out a certain percentage of their their earnings out in dividends to shareholders. And not only do they do that, a lot of them will do it monthly. Usually when you have a dividend stock, a dividend, by the way, is a percentage of earnings that's paid out to the investors. Um, so dividend stocks are some of my favorites because I love to see that cash flow. Um, a lot of people argue that you should invest into growth stocks, and you probably should for just overall growth long term. But I like getting dividends and then reinvesting those dividends into buying more shares and you raise your position with basically, you know, the dividend money. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful thing and it's, it's really compound interest, right? Um, but the REITs are so nice because they have high yields 
and they pay out monthly dividends and you can just keep reinvesting them and kind of keep reinvesting them and keep reinvesting them. And then you just have what, what I would consider a snowball, right? Um, there's so many great investors that are great dividend investors. Warren Buffett is a great dividend investor, right? His, if you look at some of his dividends that he gets yearly from like Coke, for example, it's mind boggling. Just Google that, look that up if you're interested to know. Um, Kevin O'Leary, who's on Shark Tank, by the way, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. Um, he always says that he will never buy, buy a stock unless they pay a dividend. doesn't matter what it is. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I have a mixture of both, but I have more dividend stocks than I do anything else. And I'm invested into two REITs, um, real estate investment trusts, because of the dividends. And I, I'm a big believer in real estate. Um, and, and I believe that real estate is a very safe investment overall REITs, you know, just basically buy a bunch of real estate. And then, you know, you can kind of invest in like the portfolio, you're buying a share in the portfolio, right? Um, so the two REITs that I'm invested into currently, and I'll kind of share this with you guys. And I'll just kind of share with you my experience on it would be the first one is called well, the, the it's a ticker symbol LTC. Long-Term Care Properties Incorporated. So pretty easy to understand what this one is. I don't have a huge position in it. I actually just started investing into it. Um, but this is a REIT that invests in long-term care properties. Now, in my business, in the senior insurance business, I have a great understanding of long-term care properties. I also worked in a long-term care property um, myself, a long-term care facility, an assisted living facility, prior to getting involved into my business when I was very young, 18, 19, 20, that kind of thing. And um, so, and, and I did multiple different jobs. I worked in the kitchen. I cooked. I washed dishes. I was waitstaff. I was assistant manager. I was a concierge. I was night security. I did activities. I did so many different things. I wore so many different hats in that place. And, um, and so for me, I have a good understanding. I understand that long-term care properties are incredibly profitable. They charge, they cost a fortune for someone to live in. Nowadays, you're probably looking at minimum $5,000 a month. Some are probably as high as $15,000 a month. Um, and it, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're to me a no brainer. Um, and I like that stock. It pays out a monthly dividend. Um, currently it's dividend yield. We'll see if I can find it here. Let's see, what is its yield? Looks like their yield, I'm, I'm having trouble finding it. Okay, here it is. Their annual dividend yield is 5.99%, right? So right now, per share, they pay out 19 cents a share every month, okay? An annual yield would be $2.28 per share, and they pay out 96.61% uh, is their payout ratio. Okay, every month on the 16th, they pay a dividend. So currently, and, and their shares are $38.04 at the time of recording this, okay? Um, currently, I own, hang on guys. So currently on long-term care properties, I own 36 shares. Now, I have a bigger position in another real estate investment trust called um, Realty Income corporation ticker symbol o like oscar um and that one is 68 dollars and 30 cents a share they buy large retail properties like walgreens stores and things like that and then they rent them back to the companies like walgreens um that is 
a, a stock that has been very, very good to me. Currently on that one, it's trading at $68.30 a share at the time of recording this. And I own 193 shares of that stock. Um, it's dividend payout information. And they do an annual yield of 4.37%. Um, they pay out on the 15th of every month. They pay $0.25 cents a month per share with an annual dividend rate of $2.98 um, per share. Okay. So I like REITs. However, um, I do believe that the problem with REITs is they pay out so much of the profits to investors, sometimes it limits their ability to grow, right? The argument for a growth stock would be um, that if they don't pay a dividend at all, they can take the excess funds and invest it into the business and then the business will grow and then the, the, the stock will appreciate as the business grows, right? It'll just continue to, to, to get higher and then, you know, your stock is worth more than you paid for, right? So there's different uh, philosophies, different strategies. I own about 11 different stocks in my portfolio right now. Um, and to me, it's just fun. I just enjoy it. But what I can tell you is through my experience with the stock market, to really be very successful when it comes to being a stock investor, I don't like the word trader, I'd say investor, is you have to spend a lot of time reading about companies reading their 4Ks, which is their annual reports, reading their statistics, knowing what a PE ratio means, understanding just different dynamics, looking at the ca how much cash they have on hands, looking at their business model, just really being a very sound business mind and learning about business. Just kind of being able to kind of determine, okay, right now in society, is this a blockbuster? Or is this a Netflix? Is this where society is going or is society moving away from this business model, right? And for me, the reason why I don't put more money into stocks is because I spend so much time on my company and I know my company much better. I'm inside of my company. And so the chances of me having a good return of investment is far higher investing in my company than it ever could be investing into somebody else's. And I just don't have the time to keep up with it. If you really want a hands-off investment, um, that would definitely be an index fund, as we mentioned. Mutual fund as well, but index funds, to me, it's a little bit more hands-off. Um, Warren Buffett's came out multiple times over the years and said the average investor, probably 99% of investors will their own personal picks when it comes to stocks will underperform an, an S&P 500 index fund every year <laughs> in terms of the performance and the, and the return of investment you get just by investing into shares of an S&P 500 index fund. So anyway, guys, just wanted to talk a little bit about stocks. I get asked about it a lot. Um, and that's kind of my thoughts. Um, anyway, guys. That's kind of what I believe is going on right now in just to, in, interesting, interesting topic right now with this Logan Paul CoffeeZilla thing. Um, if you haven't followed it, go check it out. It's kind of an interesting story. Um, but I think there's a lesson involved in there, and that's don't let your ego feel like you're untouchable. Because no matter who you are, if you do something that's per publicly perceived as bad, overall, by the masses, doesn't matter how much good stuff you've done before. Anyway, guys... Um, Leave us a five-star review on the Seven Figures or Bust podcast if you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and we'll see you next time. Um, here's to getting you to seven figures. Thanks, guys.